Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One chain chomp. One thwomp. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I am your host, Robbie Norman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Tower, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 181. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. another palindrome episode. Is it still palindrome with its numbers? No. It's like saying that. When we get to rep- episode race car or taco cat... Then that will be a true palindrome episode. Taco Cat is my favorite. Yeah, I, I knew that was your favorite episode number. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What, are, what, what are we going to be reading for episode Taco Cat? Uh, the Garfield Treasury. Can we do uh, Garfield without Garfield? For If that was collected into a book, we'd read it next week. Because <laughs> that shit's amazing. It is pretty good. It's it's like Christ, what an asshole! You know that one? No. It's kind of the same idea that like uh, they take newspaper strips and they replace the punchline <laughs> with just someone saying, "Christ, what an asshole!" Oh, good. <laughs> I think it actually is like more of a meme. Okay. But there's plenty examples of uh, exactly what I just described, and it cracks me up. Plus, it's fun to just say, Christ, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Christ. Hey, Ansemites. How you guys doing out there? <laughs> I'm waiting on you, bud. Wait. You got to bring us back to normal. <laughs> okay, good. We are reading, <laughs> we are discussing Batwoman Elegy by Greg Rocca and J.H. Williams III in Nerbo Book Club. Talking about that later on. Mm-hmm. Get some Batwoman in here. Get, get you some Batwoman. Get you some, some Batwoman. Batwoman. The wild world of Batwoman. Get you some Batwoman. Some... Mm-hmm question some question yeah some question some question you get there's not enough uh steve dicko in our normal episodes so you, you gotta get everything you can as much as i i think steve ditko would not like this question and that's kind of the best thing about it <laughs> we'll talk about that i guess well, uh, maybe maybe, maybe. Uh, before, before that we have a, uh, some comic books that came out this very week to talk about eric okay okay you you, you on board uh sure okay Let's do it. all right good it's not like you've done this 180 times no never never and certainly not always not always not all the time <laughs> forever yeah uh we can move on to our first segment it's time for weekly floppies weekly floppies is the part show eric and i will review a selection of this week's books tell you to buy or do not buy them we are starting off with the unworthy thor number five and final unworthy thor for now, at least. Written by Jason Aaron, art Oliver, Olivier Coipel, Kim Jacinto, and Pascal Elixé. Colors Matt Lopez and J. David Ramos. Letters and production by Joe Sabino. I uh, I did not realize this was going to be a miniseries. Mm. I thought this was going to be ongoing, but um, we, f- I mean, the, the headline for this issue is we finally, finally find out what uh, Nick Fury told Thor 
yeah, eight hundred years ago in original sin that made him lose the hammer. <laughs> yeah, back in the 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 third greatest uh, Marvel boner in the past couple of years. <laughs> yeah, uh, like. When we were reading original time, I'm like, yeah, this isn't, isn't that good. That now in hindsight, I'm like, hey, it's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like it with I, time has been kind to that awful comic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, compared to Civil War two, it's certifi- certifiably mm. interesting in how it's yeah. bad. Um, we, so what do you think, Mr. Goodnight? Think it lives, does um, it live up? Okay. Uh, hey, if you haven't read this issue, we're going to say explicitly what, uh, Nick Fury says so. Jump ahead like two minutes if you don't yeah, want. Yeah, it's a it's a fair cop that that it's gonna be spoilery. Yeah. Um. He, Gore was right. Gore was right. Gore was right. Yep. I I don't know. I I, I tried. I just saw the words t- "trusty goat" in there. <laughs> That's what it is. In the in the the, the recap page. Jesus, there's this book's amazing. Yeah, there's I, I don't know. There's it's already a meme. They've already seen multiple memes based on the different people changing what the whisper says that, mm-hmm. that are pretty all mostly entertaining. Uh, I don't Not know. I, that. I like it. I like that. You know, I Gore was a great villain, and I loved uh, God Thor, God of Thunder, and both of the Gore arcs on that. And mm. it does a nice job of calling back all of the all of the the greatest hits of the Jason Aaron era. Yeah, it does. It it makes it more cohesive and actually makes me mm-hmm. actually interested in rereading Original Sin cuz maybe somehow that knowledge will make that comic book better than it was. Um I don't know. I I'm still I I like I think this Thor run is going to be right up there with Walt Simonson's at the end of the, and you know, after he's Jason, Jason is done with Thor is going to be up there as one of the best Thor runs ever. And this, this Thor, this, the Odin son, as he is called, mm-hmm. I think he's continuing to be an interesting character. Uh, even though he is no longer technically Thor. I like, I, I really like this, this universe that Jason Aaron has kind of created with, with the Odin son, with Jane Foster, with Beta Ray Bill, with Thanos and the multiverse and pulled in all these different places and made them all part of the story uh, that is at times feels can feel really big, but also very personal with these characters. I felt like it was I mean, I got what was going on because I've read uh, the gore stuff mm-hmm. and I've read an issue here and there mostly for the podcast, but I had not been keeping up with this and you had, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say that I felt really lost, but I do, I do think that being mostly out of it made it feel messy. Um, and I think that's just because this is not really an issue that you should jump into. It feels, I don't know. I feel like there's some pieces of this I'm missing that I'm sure you have. I mean, it's that's it's the the things that are missing from this issue that aren't told to you explicitly are mostly stuff mm. on the edges. Um, like I think the main plot points are basically here. It's like, hey, Thor, yeah. uh, Odin's son doesn't have his hammer, and he there's this new hammer that is the yeah. ultimate hammer, ultimate Thor's hammer, ultimate Thor's hammer. Yeah. yeah, and but I thought that was where we were several issues ago. 
I mean, and it's, now we're still there, yep. and there's characters that I don't recognize, and I'm like, it, it's, it's less a problem with this issue and more a problem that this is just not a great one to jump into. I would say, based on the strength of it and what I had read, that you should just read all of them. Well, that's what I mean. I when I, I was in it like I've been re, like I yeah. wasn't gonna. No, I, I didn't. I wasn't gonna pick this issue until I found out that it was. Uh, at least for us to read until I found mm-hmm. out, oh, it's the one where we learned what he said. Yeah, it's we, kind of a dumb thing to just, like, every week check in and be like, hey, guess what's still good? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. No, I get that. I I mean, it's all good. I've read all of this. It is. I can verify that it is. Yeah. But it is. I feel like this is the perfect link for this thing. I think any longer than this, this is kind of meaningless. Um, But. I'm I'm kind of actually I I liked to see I like when I heard oh this is actually the last issue of this miniseries and there's probably going to be I don't like you can just go read the 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 Mighty Thor the Jane Foster Thor book if you want more Thor stuff which is still that book is also still very good we don't really check in on it very often but it is I I can we can kind of blanket statement all Jason Aaron written comic books right now are good like it is the base level of them in you know. Mighty Thor is among those. Russell Dowderman's art is always good. It it's always it's, Matt Wilson's colors are always good. Um, and the way the, the places those stories goes is always interesting. And I feel like this is I'm now like I could not care one bit about Ultimate Thor. I thought I you know I don't care yeah. about the, most of the Ultimate versions of these characters. But I'm now this the, the, what this arc kind of did was make me go oh okay let's let's see who picks up this hammer. Like that could it's be... almost like the whole Ultimates universe was created just for Miles Morales and now this hammer. <laughs> uh, the whole whole thing, everything is destroyed, but those two things. Evil Reed Richards is still around somewhere. I think he's still banging around. Oh, what the hell? He's the what is he called? The something. Yeah, I don't remember either. The architect, the butt nugget. What is he? That's good. Yep. The the, the bar- grumpus. The the butt architect. The butt architect. Nice. The architect for if you're really pressed for time. I'm I'm hoping that uh, we get. I'm I'm sincerely hoping that Jonathan Hickman comes out of his Marvel slumber, uh, comes back to write the adventures of Reed and Sue and the kids making you know making the multiverse good again, and then uh, they have finally they have to they te- team up team up with uh, with uh, Iron Man Doom to defeat evil Reed Richards. That does that sounds magical. But I, I'm I'm assuming that will happen at some point. But Evil Reed Richards is along with Miles Morales and uh, and the, this hammer are still our thing. And I'm I'm assuming that whenever someone else is like, "Hey, I really like that one character from the Ultimate Universe," though, oh, they remember they they woke up in some tube somewhere or mm-hmm. something. They'll just bring them over some arbitrary reason. Yep. I'm a buy on this comic. I'm a buy on this whole series. I'm a buy on all Jason Aaron Thor's. They're all good. Yep, by the power of Jason Aaron's beard. He doesn't Did he grow it. his beard back? I don't think so. I want to say How he's disappointing. I want to he say... needs to be taken off of Thor immediately. <laughs> this is the rules. Yeah, get him right in the My Little Pony comic because fuck that nonsense. I'd be I'd, if Jason Aaron started writing a My it Little. It would probably be very good. I the would man's read it. Very very talented. I would read that. I would start. That'd be my newest subscription. Is Jason that Aaron's be My Little like Pony? The grizzly the grizzly murder. Friendship is magic. Fucking My Little Pony comic. Yeah. Uh, so double buy, unworthy for number five. Next up, 
A week late of uh, our Iron Fist special is Iron Fist number one, written by <laughs> Ed Brisson, Art, Mike Perkins, Andy Troy doing colors, Travis Latham on letters. It's uh, it's a slow burn, this Iron Fist. Uh, this doesn't fundamentally change anything about Iron Fist, but I think it does, I don't know, it does make it simple. Mm-hmm. It makes it simple, and it embraces, like, kind of the stupidity of it. And what it looks like is just going to be Mortal Kombat. Yeah, which is, that's what works. Yeah. I mean, like, Mortal Kombat is, I mean, it, it, it's Enter the Dragon. Yes. It's, it's dumb shit. It's like, hey, you know all those kung fu movies that all were basically just like, hey, let's have a, a tournament and then have, like, all these impressive, mm-hmm. impressive martial artists, like, show off their skills. It's the same premise. This is like instead, what can the, what can the team think of like to have a crazy, a crazy some, like that's what half like a little bit of the fraction Brubaker Aha Iron Fist was mm-hmm. martial arts tournament, and then they quickly abandoned that. Uh, yeah, th- this it feels like they're I don't know if they spin that out into another thing just like that other book did. I'd be like, eh, you shouldn't probably just eat, stick to the tournament. At least for now, or something. Uh, I don't know. Is this a buy for you, Eric? Even with that, I I like it. I don't. I don't like Iron Fist. I like this book. Um, I feel like it's going to be dumb and kind of walk that line. I think it walks the line pretty skillfully. Of you know, is it taking itself seriously or not? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like a Steven Seagal movie. Which is like kind of pitch perfect to me. Um, I enjoy this issue, and I will. I would like to see where it goes. All right, you're curious. This is this is yes, I am. This this in this issue does more good than I think all of that Matt Fraction Ed Brubaker book did. And it was not a terrible comic either. You know, obviously that's on record. Um. But I think this so far has promised to be better. So I I I don't know. I've been watching as many uh, uh, kung fu movies and things like that lately. Just it's a genre that I'm rekindling my love for, and this is this fits in with that. You know, nothing yes. that's real like doesn't have to be deep or smart or have a lot of plot. It's just let's get to these guys fighting each other. Yeah. I I think I'm a buy as well. I think Yeah. I I think like it is the further the the distances between hey Iron Fit this handsome blonde rich guy is the savior yeah. of a place. I think it's the further it gets away from that the more it closer it just gets to hey this is like fighting comic. Like crazy mm-hmm. like let's showcase some weird ideas around fighting a fighting tournament or and spin out of that or something. I think that's for the good. And it does I am also curious. I am I I want to see where this goes. Um I'm interested to see if it really just becomes, you know, Mortal Kombat whatever or if it is if what it, if if this is anything fundamental about Iron, like Danny Rand himself like cuz he's kind of dark in this one. He's not mm-hmm. It's like a very different Danny Rand that you necessarily see in like Power Man and Iron Fist, which is a little closer to like he be, he's like Luke Cage's hype man in some parts of that book, which mm-hmm. I'm not, I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, so double buy Iron Fist number one. 
Uh, next up is Action Comics, nine hundred nine hundred and seventy six. That's a that's a lot of numbers. You ready for number one thousand? They are almost. Yeah, they're almost at uh, issue Taco Cat. You get to issue one thousand where Doctor Manhattan uh, beats up Superman. <laughs> and then I I buy a copy and vomit on every page. <laughs> this is uh uh see written by Dan Jurgens, pencils Doug Mankey, Jamie Mendoza, Christian Alami, and Trevor Scott on inks, Will Quintana on colors, Rob Lee on letters. This is the culmination of what uh, the storyline we started reading a while ago, not even a while ago, a few weeks ago, I think. But it was doing a s- crossovers between all the Superman titles, and I, I kind of out of I just don't generally b- want to do that. I don't want to read like mm. I, like I understand it allows them to tell the story very quickly, but I'm kind of opposed to that in principle of like hey yeah, no, it, it's, hijack it's a book not a good thing right no absolutely but uh i i also again just like unworthy thor i wanted to read this because it has aside from wrapping up the story about john and and changing the status quo of the dc universe it also has has vague references to watchmen stuff uh, we vague references to the place wherever this weird place they are. Who would built it? Mm-hmm. And then they had show Mars at the end, you know. Which some reason that they that is some like I know that they're connecting that to Doctor Manhattan because he sat on Mars during Watchmen, which mm-hmm. I think is a good a good way a good shorthand for how DC wants to distillate these characters, like. Yeah. So yeah. Do- yeah, Doctor Manhattan sat on Mars for a while. So yeah, when that's we show the Mars, most important thing that, to know about him. You that's know? what it means. Um, yep. One. Okay. First thing that happens basically is New Fifty Two Superman and Lois Lane. They went away for a while, mm-hmm. and then we got the pre Fifty Two version of Superman and Lois Lane. Mom is and that Dad. Really what people are saying. Yes, that is what people are saying. People are icky. I don't like that. <laughs> I'm just I don't like icky people. Okay, well we have I- the, icky people in their plick. We had the version of those characters become the the versions of Lois Lane and Superman in the DC universe, and with John as their son. Then all this plick stuff happened, and now what I've gathered and what I've read online is that all the new fifty pre fifty two and new fifty two versions of these characters are basically merged together. Mm-hmm. And are the same are are not are the same but not the same and are, but are the same somehow. Yeah, somehow. I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening. Like I understand that in principle, but I don't understand it. Like how does that make sense? It's clearly like hand waving comics continuity. We made ourselves a mess. We're gonna we're trying to fix it up so that we can get it all straight for when Doctor Manhattan shows up and messes it up again, probably. What do you think, Eric? Give me thoughts. I'm really disappointed that this, uh, and I don't know. I think when the, the the this event started, I was expecting it to be better than it was. I found it much more interesting, and to just have it become this, you know, mm-hmm. this thing that is an excuse to merge the Superman and clean up continuity, and then like lead to a goddamn Watchmen event. I would say I'm fairly soured on all that. I mean, I did not, I did not understand. I did not get the, the Watchmen references. 
Um, well, it's like but I, I, I go ahead. I was gonna say like it's not. They don't use the words Watchmen in here. They never say yeah, Doctor it's Manhattan. Over. It's not over, but I mean, I kind of can't unsee it. Yeah, once someone points um, it out to you, you're like, oh yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, that's still gonna happen. I mean, it. Um, it, it, it is. It, I I remember when that. Well, I remember when that first issue came out, and I remember thinking this is going to be like a really a good story, an essential Superman story. And it has, in a very short order, become an incredibly forgettable, absolutely useless thing. Like, I could not be less interested in what's going on here. And I was fully on board with the last issue that we read. So, I I don't know. This is a nice face plant. It was really quite poor. I, I liked... I liked the new 52 versions of these characters gone forever. I didn't care about either of them. I felt like after Grant Morrison stopped writing Superman, anything interesting about him stopped happening. Mm-hmm. And then they like, they just like, Oh yeah, now he's dating wonder woman. And Lois yeah. like, like, it's just, it's all kinds of very strange things happening. And then they, as a, obviously they were like, well, not many people like this. Let's intru- let's reintroduce those the Superman from when people liked him and when he was mm-hmm. when he had a relationship with Lois Lane, and then now they have a kid and like that's cool. Like a thing I like, I like the idea of that. I you know I I still hate the fact that Peter Parker and Mary Jane got broken up, yeah. and Dan Slott has even gone on the record and say, oh, that's never good. they're never getting back together. Don't even worry. Like don't even like. He just um, sings you a Taylor Swift song if you uh, ask him about it. I'm, just, I'm like, I, I mean, I, I don't think he's said that with any venom or anything. I think he's like, he's just saying like, uh, you know, it's an editorial decision, and they don't want that. They don't want them as a couple, and that immediately makes and it's it, it's just like things like that where it is clearly like we need this character to be in this place by the time this happens, mm-hmm. and that is what this is. We need, we want all the Superman mess cleaned up before we introduce Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan in here for some reason. Uh, and this is what this storyline was. And I don't, I liked, I, I, you, like, no one cared about the new 52 versions. You could mm-hmm. easily have had the, the, the old versions of Superman, Lois Lane, and their new son, John, and just go, hey, let's all forget about that stuff that everyone would have. But now, now it's like in a way I feel like this is messier. Like when they say, "Oh yeah, everyone's merged together," I'm like, "What does that even mean?" Does that like there's a picture like in that one of those pages? There's a big page uh, near the end of this two page spread where they have all these memories of what would be the old version of Superman, and basically the new fifty two version of him merging and remembering those things all of a sudden. And in the middle of that, they have all this other stuff from that old version of Superman, including Doomsday, Luthor, uh, Dark Side, Bizarro, Mixoplick, uh, the like the Annihilator and Cyborg Superman and all that stuff. Like Bizarro, what when I when we is Bizarro now a character again? Because he was B zero in the new fifty two. You love B zero. I he's your favorite. I I hate B zero. I think B zero is wor- no. the worst. No, no, no. You 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 am love B zero. I uh 
I let's see by B zero rules. I am love B zero. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but in like I like I don't I have no like I had a sense of like where everything stood, and now I have no sense of where everything stands. It feels like now mm-hmm. it's just it just feels like in the end this is making it more complicated. Like the eight people who ke- were keeping track of this, maybe it makes it easier for them, but for the casual reader. This it just makes things complicated again. Now I'm going like, so what? So they're both they're the new Fifty Two version and they're not the new Fifty Two version. So which version of them? Like, are they having like crisis inside their head? Is this like Infinite Crisis inside Clark Kent? Because I don't. I think that sounds about right. Yeah. I don't. I crisis on Infinite Kent. Yeah, I do not buy. I don't like this. This is not this. It's not. It's not good. No, it's it. Is messy and like Mixoplick. I I like him like I don't know as a like as a as a concept. I can get behind Mister Mixoplick, who's like an agent of chaos and and uh, beyond an agent of chaos. Agent of chaos. You know what I said. But this this is like he's he's just like a he has no character in this. He is plot. He's just a a plot uh, device. Like that's. Kind of just what he is always, isn't he? Mm, he could be written interestingly. I I don't doubt that, but I've not seen it. I have not seen it done. It's not done here. Do not buy Action Comics number nine hundred seventy six. Can't yeah. wait for Doctor Manhattan to show up. I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. All right, next book up is Anno Dracula number one. I think it's so funny you found this. I don't know. It's the number one, and it. I don't know. I, I just pick random number one issues week to week sometimes when I want to see what they are. Uh, written by Kim Newman, art Paul McCaffrey, colors Kevin Enhart, letters Simon Boland. I do want to note this Kim Newman is a is a dude. It is Mr. Kim Newman. Mis- Mr. Kim Newman. I believe I would I, I would go by my full name. I would be like, you can call me Kimothy. You he's, know, he's Kim James Newman. Uh, what, however you want to say it. Um, interesting point of business i actually tried to read the novel that this was based on oh did you uh, many yeah many years ago um and i hated it so much i wrote a novel making fun of vampires uh which you have read <laughs> all right um it that, is that's interesting is, i like that it is yeah yeah um it is the cheesiest worst parts of this because like in it like the raw ideas of it it sounds awesome you know like dracula infiltrates the victorian um um palace you know marries i mean he doesn't like sneak in the middle of the night but you know he like courts and marries queen victoria and it becomes fashionable all across europe to be a vampire and it sets up this whole age of vampirism and but also apparently like peace throughout Europe, kind of. I don't know. It's it's. I want to dislike it more than I do. All right. You know, like I think that it does a lot of things well. I think the art's nice looking. Um, I think that it reads okay. It is. I mean, it is a dumb book about vampires, and I hate fucking vampire stories. And it's got a lot of just insufferable crap to it. But I think it is a. I think it's fundamentally interesting, and I, I thought that the 
concept was interesting. And I think the execution of this is pretty good, but it's still pretty insufferable. What's your two cents? Have you ever seen Daybreakers? No. It rem- this reminds me of Daybreakers in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Daybreakers is a movie where the vampires have basically every almost everyone on Earth is a vampire, uh, but there's like blood is running out, like oh, shit. the supply of blood is running out for the world, and so it's a weird like. It's a weird, it's a very, it's a post, mm-hmm. post-apocalyptic weird thing. It's a very strange movie. Uh, it's not, I wouldn't call it good, but it's very interesting. I like it despite it, a lot of problems with it. But the thing mm-hmm. I like most about Daybreakers is how crazy over the top it is about all of this. Like it is not, like there's, n- there's no reservation about like how dumb it is. They're just like, nope, full on board. We're not even rec- like, we're just going to full steam ahead, stupidity. We don't care. Yeah. And, I think that is the one thing that is holding me back from liking this a lot is that yeah, it's, it, it takes itself way too seriously. And that is kind of what was so insufferable about that novel. <laughs> yeah, this is very much like there's because there's stuff in here. I'm like, oh, that's that's fun. Like there's a bit where mm-hmm. you cut to the uh, outside of this adult bookstore and there's a dude like a vampire, a fat vampire dude in checkered pants. Chow down a, a baby pig. Yep. And I'm like, that is gross, but also what I'm looking for. I want that kind mm. of absurd awfulness in this world. You want to see the, uh, the transmetropolitan aspects of Anno Dracula? Yeah, actually, that actually sounds great. That would be, mm-hmm. I, that sounds like it, I, the machinations, like political assassinations of vampire lords and whatever. Is, oh, yeah. That, that, that's someone who played just a little bit too much, um, uh, Vampire the Masquerade. For yeah, me. I was the same. I'm like, Which, what were you, yeah. what was that? No, I was going to say that was the other thing that, that inspired that book, except I liked the kids that played Vampire the Masquerade. They were at least, I don't know. They weren't dorks. This is dorky, but I don't know. Mixed emotions. Yeah. And I don't like most of the art. You don't? Not, I mean, it, I mean, like not as bad. I think it's just like, you know, it's the same kind of Humberto Ramos thing for some, like, it's just like some weird thing about it is just. To me, this not... reminds me a lot of one of, I think, your favorite artists, which is Vila Lobos. I mean, it's a little bit less grubby. I think but that, it's got it's got a little bit of that to it to me. You're I don't think you're wrong. I think that grubbiness does make a lot of difference to me. Yeah. Um I there's a there's one page in this that's more cartoony. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I don't know what it is. Uh, I love the art in this. I think that it's excellent. Um there are they do a lot of things with perspective and sometimes it seems really wrong, but it I kinda don't care. I like the stupid things that this book is doing. Um, the art to me is beyond reproach. I, it is a, it is a highlight of this. There are a billion boring characters <laughs> and they make them interesting. You know, the, the, the colors on point, but I kind of wish it was more, it's a little too slick. I want it to be more painterly and dirty. I it think I, too, maybe, too, uh, maybe it's the colors too, that I'm having the problem with. Cause I, what you I think, that, I think that they, makes sense to me. The painterly, yeah. that, 
the the more painterly look would be fine. I think it's too digital color. You know, it's too airbrushy. I think yeah. it's it's more. It looks like a style of color, and I don't want to say the style that's out. Like this could work in like for a like a younger X Men book, but this needs to be. It can still be brighter colors like this. Like I like the more saturated look to it, but I do think it should be more um, texture. You know, take a take a page from the Jordy Belair's book, and you know, get some texture in there. Don't make it a little grubby. Bring it down to earth. It should feel dirty. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, it feels too clean. I think, I, I mean, that's a good metaphor for my problems with the book as a whole is mm-hmm. like, it feels too clean. I want, like, vampires are gross. Like, they drink people's blood. They yep. rip open people and drink their blood or animals. Like, do you think there's ever been, and maybe this is, this is a weird question. Do you think there's ever been fiction about vampires getting AIDS? Um, I want to say that I've read something uh, that has addressed it and the fact that vampires, because they immediately heal, it is not an issue for them. Like, well, I mean, I, I, I want to like, I want to, we don't have to, we don't have to discuss that, but yeah, keep finish your thought. I was going to say, I think I read, there was a series of vampire fiction novels I read by Christopher Golden that didn't directly, I don't think it directly talked about AIDS, but there was a vampire who, because he, he had a, he, he had been a vampire for so long that he didn't want to hurt people anymore. He was a pacifist, basically. Mm. Uh, He would, he had a friend who was a doctor at a hospital and the doctor would give him tainted blood that would normally be disposed and he and the vampire could drink that blood because it didn't matter. It's just blood, you know. It doesn't like it doesn't necessarily taste good, but that the larger issue was always him hurting humans, and this was a way for him to drink blood without hurting humans directly. So that's why he did. And I think I don't think I don't know if there's ever it's ever been a major theme from any vampire fiction, but there's a bunch of vampire fiction out there. So there probably is a way that they're probably directly addressed it somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's probably some vampire fiction about it, and I'm sure I'll hate it. I'm sure I'll never read it uh, on purpose, yeah. And also, like, your vampire fiction, like, this feels of like a strange... Like, for this to come out now, in the year 2017, feels... I guess oh. there's I, there must be a market for it. There must still be people buying it. Dude, people love vampire fiction. People I, 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 fucking adore it. Are you a buy? i despite myself i like it i am like let's just five out of five okay five out of five on the mush meter okay it and an and an let's let's say an anxious five out of five too okay i think i'm right there with you yeah i think i'm full on like i think that this i don't know what this is gonna be like maybe it will get it will escalate into more of the crazy and less of the common. Hey, let's have a meeting about vampires. No, let's not have a meeting. Can we just like, can you have a vampire? Like I like the bits where vampires were murdering people. Can we have Mm -hmm. more of that and less and like sea monsters coming out of the, out of the ocean to destroy barges full of soldiers. That was cool. Not, Oh, these seven, the days of the week are having a meeting and we're going to talk about a vampire uprising. Mm -hmm. That's my Dude, favorite. I'm telling you, that's that is, yeah. That's what those novels great. Okay, um, guess it's, I... no, it's it's fucking awesome ideas. Like 
the thing that you might not have picked up is Jack the Ripper is in this book. I, I don't remember if it's Van Helsing is Jack the Ripper or the actual Jack the Ripper becomes a vampire hunter. But, like, that was what sold me on the story. I was like, that sounds fucking awesome. You know, like, vampire hunting, I think, is a cooler genre than vampire fiction. I yeah. think it's a it's a different thing. One is way more fun. One is about killing monsters, and the other one is about, like, ugh. My... It's so tragic to be beautiful forever. <laughs> I'm going to take my shirt off. Uh, Blood. I, I've... I, I'm a fan of of, of this of Saints and Shadows uh, series from Christopher Golden, which I've already mentioned, because the vampires are the heroes and the villains are the Catholic Church. There you go. The Catholic Church have been spreading propaganda about vampires and Don't are you know and, it. and utilize dark magic, which the vampires are against. It's <laughs> I love it. That's it's really stupid. And also, oh, and Buffalo Bill is a vampire. I love it. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, yeah exactly. I will say. My my vampire story is Count Docula. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not a bad choice. Yeah, if you're gonna pick I'm, one, I gotta well. I gotta I gotta I gotta go with what's in my heart. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, so that's a double buy on Anno Dracula number one with a the max max out we're max cap on the on the mush meter mm-hmm. five out of five. Uh, lastly is Ghostbusters one hundred and one number one written by Eric Burdum art by Dan Schoening. Oh, come on. iPad. Colors by Luis Antonio Delgado. Letters by Neil Uitake. All right. Uh, I, I'm always, I'm aware that constantly that there are Ghostbuster comic books coming out. Like, I see them come out every, like, not every week, but every month. Mm-hmm. And, and probably multiple times a month because there are multiple versions of these characters that they merged. Like, they even make fun of that in, like, the, the what came before page. They're like, yeah, there used to be, there's a, there's a couple teams of these, and then they merged them. They even referenced the fact that there was a t- turtle, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover at one point between the, the, the two comics. Um, We've never read. I don't think we've ever read a Ghostbusters comic for the podcast. I was like, well, it's, we this is certainly not. We might as well read this one. This was a book about the old team and then the new Ghostbusters, the all female Ghostbusters, and uh, them. I I get you know teaming up. I guess this is that's the end goal of this thing is like a official team up book and teaching like also a classroom setting mm-hmm. kind of thing. I believe that's also Goth Girl from uh, Extreme Ghostbusters. I, don't quote me on that. Okay, I I mean Walter Peck is in this thing. What like I don't know what else to say about this. And now he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he can't make the EPA a bad guy. Well, he's not an EPA anymore. Now he's head of the something some yeah, work, sure some c c p something something ghost paranormal express organization whatever it is um i wonder if he ever found his dick <laughs> it is true mm-hmm. this man has no dick uh this man has no dick <laughs> great kids movie yeah it's br- you should definitely watch let your 10 year old child watch ghostbusters <laughs> What do you think, Eric? Are you on board for this or no? No, thank you. I I like it way more than I thought I would, and I f- kind of feel like it does everything that with this new movie out, you know, you've got the old characters. They're trying to bring them together with the new characters. Like, I had my frustrations with that film. 
mostly because it was not really that good a movie. It was kind of average. Did you ever end up watching it? After you, after your review of it, I'm like, um, if I ever like have a down time and I'm like, and I, maybe the urge hit me, I would watch it, but that, that moment yeah. has not come yet. So no, I haven't watched it. I think that it is a dumb family movie that does not have appeal for people that aren't kids. Okay. But a lot of people really loved it. A lot of people, I think like if it, you are dying to see female Ghostbusters, that's what makes that good. This, I think, is good. Just like if you like either one, I think you would like this. You know? I I don't know. I like that we're going to get all of them together. It kind of, to me, it enhances both camps. No? I I think there's nothing wrong with this comic book. I like it. it but I, I don't, like, I... Like when people were arguing about like, oh, this is the the new Ghostbusters isn't real Ghostbusters. I'm like, they did, dude. They already kind of like didn't do the real Ghostbusters when they made the second movie. Like, I don't even think, like, I don't think that second Ghostbusters movie is good. Uh, I really like that first Ghostbusters movie. I think it's a good horror comedy. Like, mm-hmm. like it's hilarious. I think all those I, all those personalities. It's, yeah, it's it's just like some of the greatest comedians of all time. Mm-hmm. At like the height of their power, right? And like making a very unique kind of movie, uh, mm-hmm. but I again, I think tonally this is different than that. Like what I my favorite Ghostbusters is the first Ghostbusters movie, and pretty much only yeah. that. This tonally is still like it's a kids like you, what you said. Like I think that the thing you made about the joke about yeah, he's yes, this true. This man has no dick. That mm-hmm. that there's no jokes like that in this comic. Like this comic is uh you know it is has rounded is rounded edges is it's 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 like it's right around it's like the superior foes of spider-man age audience and to me that's fine there's that but there's also there are lots of people that are huge fans of ghostbusters Mm -hmm. you know kind of like there's the 501st or something like that Mm -hmm. there are people that fucking dress up like ghostbusters yep you know, and they love this stuff. They like and I, everything I know several, about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they like Ghostbusters too. They wanted Ghostbusters three. I know several that also like the new movie. I mean, they just can't get enough of it. And I mean, I don't know. I, I would like to think that this would be a thing that would be good for them. I'm sure, you know? I'm sure it is. I'm sure that that's why, I mean, they keep making these not because they don't make any money. Like there's a, mm-hmm. like comic book publishers don't print comics that or keep printing comics that are unsuccessful uh like this is i mean this is not marvel or dc i think it's idw i want to say uh but they i'm sure they they make a lot of licensed comics and i you know i they appeal to a very certain people who (laughs) that is the craziest thing to me people who shit all over marvel and dc for like, ah, oh, they're just, you know, they don't make any real, there's nothing really happens in those comics. Those characters have been around for a million years. And then they go straight up and buy a whole bunch of licensed comics from IDW and call them the best in the world. And I'm like, dude, like, there's no problem. Buy all the Ghostbusters comics you want, but you're not, it's no different, really. You're just, like, it's, you're not, it's not like Saga or anything. It is mm-hmm. using established characters. Mm-hmm. Are you buying this straight up? Yeah, I think so. I think it. It does a good thing, and I, 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 I like the likenesses and the art. You know, yeah. I like the voice that it captures the characters. 
even the stupidity of the new Ghostbusters, I think it handles uh, with aplomb. You know, it's 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 good. I I have no real qualms with it. I think it's a well-made Ghostbusters comic that if you have interest in either either movie, you know, mm-hmm. either Ghostbusters, you should definitely pick this up. I mean, why the hell not? I can't think of a single reason not to. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. You in six months' time, you go to a comic book store and you see a trade of Ghostbusters one hundred and one sitting on the shelf. Do you buy it? Do I? Hell no. Okay. All right. That's all. I, that's all. I just wanted that question. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a, that's a fair question to ask because um, uh, that's where I'm at as well. Like I could. Yeah, no. I would say like yeah, I'm sure it's a good comic, but it's one like that's where I'm at with this. Like it's good. Like I feel like. The writing is good. I think the art is good. I like. I also like the characters. I think they do a good job with them. Um, but I just have. Well, I mean, almost. Yeah, no. Of course. Ultimately, like, you know, do I recommend this to people that might have some use for it? I mean, I don't think like I'm gonna. If I'm gonna recommend a book and someone's gonna be like, "Well, I fucking hate Ghostbusters," are they still gonna want it? <laughs> no. We need the Ghostbusters but, book that can convert people who hate Ghostbusters. Yeah, we need the we need that crossover appeal. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a buy on in that same regard. Mm-hmm. I feel like I my personal interest in this is like very low, but I have no problems with the book itself. Like I think it is mm-hmm. it is executing this idea as well as it probably can. Like yeah, it, I it, I think it hits it really well, really really well. So, double by Ghostbusters 101, number one, we can move on to our... We can. We can. Now we are allowed. Okay. We are allowed now to our next segment. It is time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show where Eric and I talk about what we've been up to during the week, things we've done, things we've seen, things we've played, things we've read, listened to, all kinds of recommendations about certain things. What's up, Eric? I got in a car wreck. I saw you're okay, right? I'm fine. Okay. I got a. I I do. I did literally break the uh, the door lock off with my arm. It just snapped in half. It's ridiculous. Uh, but I don't need to check in with that. <laughs> did we? Did we? Did we mention um uh Lucha Underground? Well, we have not was, officially. I think, was, I think it was Monday. We have not officially mentioned uh, that it, it will be released. Yeah. Uh, the Thursday after this, uh, it comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did. We we talked about. We watched and talked about some Lucha Underground for the Serial Fanaticist. Uh, um, I'm already thinking about when we're gonna do the, the watch more of it, talk more about it. About, mm-hmm. But WrestleMania is also this weekend, so I'm ex- next weekend, I should say. Just wrestling out, aren't uh, you? It's a lot of wrestling. Um. But no, we haven't officially mentioned it. Lucha Underground is—it's a good wrestling. I like it. I have enjoyed it a lot as well. Although I think today I've been very, very distracted, making a lot of artwork, reading these delicious comic books. <sighs> you saw the uh, the the folio box. I sent it to you, didn't I? Yeah, I sent that to you. You made a comment on it. I did. Said it was colorful. That means your eyes work. <laughs> <laughs> now that's going to be a screen print I'm going to do get it printed on a uh, a pizza box so I'm pretty pumped up about it just seems like a weird idea to do so I'm excited about doing it um, I like it 
What the hell else was I going to do? I don't know. Trying to get uh, those. You saw the enamel pin. I did. They look really nice. I'm I'm trying to contact uh, my local bro who's going to help me get them made. But um, you settled on which ones you're doing yet? It's going to be the Thwomp and the Cacodemon because I think that that was the. If we're going off of votes, those were easily the most popular. I do. I I mean, I want to make all of them, but like, I want that Doom guy. You know, mm-hmm. I might change up the design a little bit, you know, like I think it's not like I could I feel like I could make it like a little bit. I don't know. I could turn up the doom guyness of it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's just it's a soft kind of thing, but I kind of want to change it up just a touch, tweak it up just a little bit. Um, What have I been watching? Oh, yeah, I was going to I was going to check in with the uh, the Dave Chappelle specials. Oh, how about, how are they? I haven't watched them yet. They're they're funny. They're good. I mean, Dave Chappelle's very talented. I did see uh, you know, trans creator, trans comic book creator um uh Tamara Bond villain and she was talking about how much a lot of his jokes bothered her. And I I did I I had only watched the first one. You know, when when I saw that and then I watched the second one and I think that the second the second episode is worse than the first. It's a little bit, I don't know. He uses the T word. He he says some fucked up shit in it. And I, I do kind of feel like he's a comedian. And kind of the point is to be weird and outrageous. That's just sort of what the art form is. But it is, you know, it is certainly my, not my fucking stupid place to tell a, a trans person in America to just fucking shut up. You know, that it's fine. I don't need to defend goddamn millionaire uh, Dave Chappelle. No, I, I, I don't. I'm not going to defend the, uh, the, the, uh, it, it's, it's strange to say this, but I feel like Dave Chappelle is already out of the zeitgeist in a lot of ways of like, Mm. Like, I feel like we have moved, our culture is moving faster and faster away from, like, if you watch Chris Rock specials from yeah. 2000, which at two, if you, in 2000, I think, or in, in that time period, you know, around mm-hmm. the turn of millennium, you were watching, Chris Rock was the number one comedian on the world, in the, in the planet, right? Like, yep. he was obviously clearly the most groundbreaking, the most talented guy. You watch them now, you're like, mm-hmm. I understand, like, what it meant then and now you're just like eh not as much it doesn't mean as much now and it also mm-hmm. is can there are certain things in there that a lot of people have pointed out as offensive and him chris rock himself has said like yeah i wouldn't have I, if i you asked me now like it's different um yeah like even like two years ago you could have asked like i would have gone louis ck is clearly the most important comedian on the planet or like the one who's at the top of his game mm-hmm. and now i feel like that has changed too. I feel like it's moved, yeah. like things are moving so fast. And Dave Chappelle, like I watch the Chappelle show every Wednesday night after South Park. Ten thirty was it was a oh, point, no. it was appointment. The television. whole world was the whole world was obsessed with it. And I like we you would go out in public and you would yell the little John yeah thing, and everyone else mm-hmm. would yell it right back at you. Oh, and, that, well, I was in I was in college. Uh, when that was happening, you had dumbass 
uh, frat boys in, in Jeeps riding around at one in the morning mm-hmm. telling me that they were Rick James. Yep. I'm like, that's lovely. Yeah. Uh, it, all those, all the things that came out of the Chappelle show, but that was 2008 or no, 2004. 2005. Yeah, this yeah, is way before way, 2008. I was, I'm getting my years backwards, but uh, I think it was. I think it was quite before 2004 as well. It no, was, I was like a, well, 2002 no, or I, something. I was a senior in high school uh, when I when that show when I don't. It, was, it might be season two of it, but I re- re- distinctly remember. I know I was a senior in high school because mm-hmm. I remember watching it distinctly with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, very particular time and place kind of thing, and. It's 2017 now, you know, mm-hmm. it's a decade later, you know, we've changed. Yeah. I've changed. Yeah. <laughs> the jokes I thought were fine and funny then, I certainly not mm-hmm. necessarily now. Should I watch them? I think so. Um, it feels more plugged in, but it certainly does feel, you know, you feel connected to that era. Right. You know, it does feel like the past. But not like, not quite as bad as I think you're making it out to be. At least not for me. No, I mean, I, um, I mean, it's not. I, it's not a thing. Like specific, like it's like crazy offensive. It just feels, yeah, a little bit dated. No, like, and I think that you're right. And comedians do tend to be that, and I think it's tough for them to keep up. You know, it, it's interesting how some art forms. You know, you get to be a, a, a 45 or 50 year old dude and all of a sudden the, you don't fit in anymore. All the musicians I seem to listen to now are in their fucking forties. I don't know. It's weird how some things work and how some don't. The comedians, like the, particularly these older guard guys, they're, they all say the same thing. They all say that, uh, people are too sensitive. Well, I think that they just can't read the room the same way anymore. They're they're trying to read a room from you know 1999 or or 2004. Yeah, and people are pretty different. You know, we they say we're too sensitive, but we're just far more educated to what other people are thinking and feeling. Yeah, more aware. Yeah, yeah. You haven't played any Zelda though, right? No. You want to talk more about Zelda? Uh, no. I just I I finished Zelda. I I read a little bit of what you wrote about it. Yeah, I wrote a But it was it was yeah, you wrote a you wrote a think piece. Sure, whatever you want to call it. I wrote an article. I wrote I wrote I wrote my feelings down because it really like I was really I like it was eating me up a little bit like I couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm like I need to write this down. Yeah. Just get it out. Uh, this is why people started writing from the get-go. Yes, exactly. So I just I you know, might as well you know, try and make it a thing. So that's up on batmanonahorse.com. Mm-hmm. About, but I wrote about uh, Zelda and how I felt it was good but not great. And uh, I started uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Came out this week. Been playing that a while. You know, maybe I fit- hear it's really horribly, um, just absolutely terrible animation. I and the statistics in it are awful. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky she won't listen to this. Ah, uh, she doesn't support you. Uh, she doesn't listen to any podcast, so I'm not going to expect her to go out of her way. Uh, yeah. She she said that there's not even any any of her work in there yet. No, there isn't. Her credit was preemptive. Yeah, all her work is after the fact. Uh, yeah. Full disclosure: mm-hmm. my wife works for Bioware, but that is I'm 
I guess what my I'm not going to change my opinions about a video game because I know somebody hey, works man. at a company. Hey, this is about ethics. <laughs> oh my god! In video game journalism, inside comic book journalism. Yeah, okay? I know. It's yeah, great company there. Uh, I think okay. The the animation is rough in general and bad at times. Really? Hmm. Like in faces in conversation. Interesting. That is a fair. Is the... That's a fair criticism. Mm-hmm. However, there's also people saying the writing is bad. Not that there's good right, like it's mixed or that it's average, but but full on bad writing. And I don't understand that. That is a like I've in fifteen to twenty hours into this game. I played a fair chunk of it. I've gone to several different planets now. I think tonally it is somewhat different than the original trilogy. It's mm-hmm. it's a little bit more, I don't know, go- like light, lighter tone at times. It feels, it's goofier a little bit, um, but I think that works. I, I like. It feels very much like this character you're playing. Whoever you play as, either a set of a one of a set of a twins, which is a boy or a girl, brother or sister, and you pick, mm-hmm. you know, which one you want to be. Like it feels very much like this is like Mass Effect imposter syndrome. Like early on in the game, you 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 are given the title of Pathfinder. You know, you are the setup of the game is you are uh you're set this is after Mass Effect two, but before Mass Effect three has happened. And you're sent off into the Andromeda system. It's a six hundred year uh, uh space space flight away, so you're in uh, cryo sleep the entire time, and you wake up six hundred years later and a galaxy away. So it's not connected to pretty much any of the events at the end of Mass Effect three. But the Pathfinder is a person who prepares planets and gets everything ready and is uh, the the leader of this whole movement. And it feels very much like that 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 like that's at least the arc for my character. I've, I've like in big kind of role play, if you want to like put that spin on it, is that they are trying to live up to this title. Um, and I feel like that is the general direction of the game and the writing. And I don't like I don't think any of it's bad. I think some of it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's. I there's a new alien race. I think they're really cool. Uh, I I like I like the new alien. You get a new one of your crew members isn't one of the new aliens. I think they're really cool and a lot of fun. Uh, I don't like. It feels like you're exploring planets. The the actual mechanics of the game are better than any of the original trilogy. Like the movement and all that's like like combat feels actually rewarding. It doesn't feel like a rote thing to get through so that you can get to more of the writing. Like it feels they like do they yeah they do seem to get better at that every go round, so that's a nice thing. The, the combat's fun. Like, I'm enjoying the combat encounters in a way that I did not enjoy in any of the Mass Effect games. I went like, okay, well, I'm good at this, so I can get through it faster, so I can get back to more of my, my romancing whatever, Garrus or whatever. Uh, gotta, gotta rape poor Garrus. Poor Garrus. Do not ingest. Uh, Do not. Do not. Uh, they... Like, it, I don't know, the world... The planets are cool. Like, I'm... I think that... It's good. I'm like, it, I don't think it's better than, like, I'm still like, Horizon Zero Dawn is still my favorite game of the year so far. And I'm, as soon as I finish Mass Effect, I'm going to go back and get 100% on Horizon. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's come out at a time where they just released Horizon and they just released Zelda. Both games are receiving nines and tens and this is, these are masterpieces, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know. It like it, it is, uh, you know, it, comparatively, it doesn't look as good, but uh, aside from the facial animations, it feels like Mass Effect game to me. I don't, mm-hmm. and I'm also not as much of a stickler about that stuff. Like, 
I like I always key more on more in on what people are saying than how they look when they're saying it. I know a lot of people aren't, but I, I don't know. That's that's just me. I think it's I I'm still gonna finish it, not out of any sense of compulsion. Like oh, I need to get I need I I was comp- I out of I I felt obligated to finish Zelda so I can actually have an opinion on it. I'm just uh-huh. enjoying my time in Mass Effect. Like I don't I would not have finished Zelda if I didn't have to. Like if I didn't feel like I needed to to get, have an idea of what it really was. Like if I was just having fun, I would not finish Zelda. Like I'm playing Mass Effect for fun. I'm like this is what I'm having. So I don't. That's unfortunate about. Uh... I don't know. That 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 makes me sad about Zelda. I really wanted to. Your your results may vary. Like apparently everyone else, all, like a lot of other people are like this is the one of the best games ever made. I'm like, okay, I say so. I think people might have just been tuned in more. I think a lot of it was like you were really frustrated that it's it, it it's a brutal survival world. It seems to be to me. It can it there's certainly a lot of that. It feels like a lot of that is in there and I don't I don't – it feels very – a lot of it feels very artificial to pad out the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't – I don't I don't know. It's – it's – the world is great and I – people are like, oh, I don't care. Like a lot of people say, oh, you wouldn't like it so much if it wasn't called Zelda. And mm-hmm. then they go, no, it's not true. It could be anything and I would still like it. I'm like – I I don't – if this was just like uh, – something else uh breath of the if it was like some horizon breath of the wild or whatever they just gave it some arbitrary name mm-hmm. and you, there was no link there was no princess there was no gerudos or gorons or moblins or any of the other typical thing i think people would go like it's good right? but the mm-hmm. stuff is but i don't maybe i'm maybe uh, this game is just passing me by or something maybe i'm missing something but i tried to experience yeah. as much of it as i could and i just could not get into it like i just was I, like i think that that's just the way it is sometimes it's you're just not you're just not on on the level with it you know andrew uh the andrew blog andrew talking about uh with you on twitter about shadow of the colossus mm-hmm. and how so many things in it felt like I don't know. I'm, he didn't use the words felt like a homework assignment, but like he talked about like how all the climbing and all the work or whatever of that, how tedious it felt. And I think like that kind of clicked for me that like I was there. I was in that moment when I was, you know, I was scaling that monster and I would fall and I'm like, well, shit, now I have to do this incredibly hard thing again. But like that's that feeling, you know, of, oh, fuck. You know, this is so hard, but like the challenge of it is what made it work. It's what made it, I don't know, tough and fun and interesting. And you felt like you were embattled. Mm -hmm. And I think that that seems to be what it's going for. And you're, you're sitting there thinking, when does this get to be fun? When does this get to be what I'm expecting it to be? And it's not, it's just supposed to be. It's just supposed to be hard. Well, I mean, like uh, uh, the people who who defend the the main people de- they're, they're like defending it, like, well, it, if you were in a real, like, it feels real, like if you were a real life adventurer, yeah, who, who gives a shit about real? Uh, real? I don't. In in yeah. regards to Zelda in particular, I don't care whatsoever about real. I care about yeah, hey, I mean, this is a fun dungeon with the... fun puzzles. I don't need uh, yeah. to worry about when it's raining or not. Like, I don't that it is the like 
Very few games. Skeletons and and, and yeah. bulldog men were I, worried about reality. I like uh, m- multiple times. I literally was like, "Oh, it's raining now." I'll. I literally set my controller down and pick up my phone and look at my phone. Go on. What's on Twitter? Play, play hmm. the egg game. Play the egg game for a bit. Oh, look, I'm tapping. Oh, I got eggs. Oh, it's still raining. All right, back with the eggs. Like. I don't, that's, what, what is that, like, and then, then they go, oh, well, go do something else. I'm like, I'm in the middle of a, of a thing. I, I'm, like, when I'm playing games like this, I don't want to go do a different thing. I'm in the middle of a quest. A real adventurer doesn't go like, oh, well, I've traveled 50 miles today so that I can go to the top of this mountain and reclaim this whatever. They don't go, oh, it's raining. I guess I'm going to abandon it. Go do something else. Mm. But, ugh, I could... I, like and uh, like the my amount of criticism also like it's it's good. There's a lot of really a lot of freedom in that game that is really great and a lot of great things that. But you could also work at making those things fun. Yeah, that is at the end of the day my criticism is like I I think it's it seems like it's just trying to be something that doesn't make sense to you. I don't like you can have all that climbing in there, but give me something other than like I push up. And if I have enough stamina, I make it. If I don't, I fall down. Like that's what is that's not fun. That's not a fun game. I just push up on a on a controller and watch my mm-hmm. guy slowly, very slowly. Die. By God, it's, it's slow. You just go uh, 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 like for. I I played the game for probably forty hours. I would say l- literally th- at least three of them is watching him climb up a wall, very slowly. At least that's probably. Uh, undershooting it but it there's a lot of it it's a lot of just watching someone dude climb there's no like i don't have to time button presses i don't have to like you know i'll i have to worry if it starts raining (laughs) i was going to bring up the whole idea that uh reality is a tool you know Mm -hmm. it's like half-life it's interesting the parts where it's like where it's like reality are interesting, but ultimately it, it knew Half-Life 2 in particular knew when to stylize something to where it wasn't just realism. Like you don't play video games because you want something to be real. And that's a thing that a lot of people kind of misunderstand. Or like while I'm climbing up that wall, Hey, maybe if I time a button press while I do it better. Maybe mm-hmm. if I maybe if I time a button press, I use less stamina, or maybe like yeah. just give me that little bit of interaction, other than no, up. the interaction was like in, and I, that was what I liked about like it was hard to climb in uh, Shadow of the Colossus, and you had to do so much of it. Yeah, I I I, I don't I don't know I don't it, it it's it, when people say it is a masterpiece and the best game of this generation. I feel like my fundamental reality is just somehow like I'm in a different dimension. I feel like I'm crazy. I feel like I'm a crazy that's what, person. That's that's what I felt when uh, the reviews for Saint Anger were out. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. And everyone was like, "It's so good," and we're like, "Are we really listening to the same album?" I don't know. Um, there's a. It's a great time to play video games. There's so many. We're in one of the the uh, we're 2017 is a terrible year for almost everything else, but video games there's a lot of really good ones out. But I don't know. I'm I'm gonna go play more Mass Effect after we're done. So seems like the thing to do. Yeah. You want to talk about some Batwoman? Yeah. All right. We can move on to our final segment, 
it is time for Nerdboy Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club is the part of the show where Eric and I will assign a longer collected work, discuss it in depth like you would a book club. Uh, this week we are doing Batwoman Elegy by Greg Rucka, J.H. Williams III. It is uh, it, Detective Comics are 854 through 857. Uh, it was on, uh, they had a big Batwoman sale a few weeks back, uh, with the release of the new Batwoman title. And then, uh, several places had, like, here's a little, little bit mm-hmm. of Batwoman with, uh, J.H. Williams doing the art and Greg Rocca on it, you know, and it's a thing that not a lot of people have necessarily talk about a lot, but it's also, very, but it's very good. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, to us to look at it. We haven't really, we've never read, uh, anything Batwoman for book club. Not even really done much Rucka. No, not either. Uh, not Rucka either. Um, and only one other J.H. Williams, I think. In that, in Sandman. Yeah, Sandman. Although I think, I think maybe there was something else and I can't remember what it was. Cause I, I remember talking about something else that he did when we were doing Sandman. Yeah. Or comparing something else he did to Sandman. That sounds right. I want to yeah. say, I don't remember. I can't. I want to like I want to make wild guesses, but they, that's all they are is wild guesses. Um, yeah, it's it's perfectly fine. We can just yeah. Um, what do you think? Uh, like it? It is an it is an okay comic book about a character that I like. All right. Um, it looks very nice. She's very gay. <laughs> I mean, these are fine things, you know. Yes. I think J. H. Williams is. A brilliant artist and kind of a bad storyteller. Or rather, he gets in his own way. Rather than thinking about how do I tell this story in a concise and nice way, he's like, how do I tell this story but do all the weird artistic things that I want to? Like, he loves breaking panel structure and... I mean, he, he, he basically, he doesn't want to make comics. He wants to make stained glass windows about comic book characters. And I think it hurts this book a little bit. Okay. I was going to. Not like tremendously, because ultimately, if you have beautiful artwork and a reasonably good story, you have, you have a recipe for a good comic. If those things are, are, if one thing is really well executed and the other thing is reasonably well executed, you're sitting pretty, I think, you know, you're at least a readable book. And I think this is readable. Um, and I think both talents are strong. It's just like, I'm looking at a page where she's supposed to be beating up a crowd of people Mm -hmm. and it doesn't take you through those moments. It is a one page illustration of like one of, it doesn't even look like someone kicking. It's a pose, and it's a bunch of people looking beat up. And it's interesting. It's a different way to do it. But there's no sense, really, not a lot of sense of what's going on there. Like, there is something in the third or fourth book where there's a woman with a shaved head that she fights. And you essentially turn the page, and she's beat up because, like, there's all these little vignettes inside the panel mm-hmm. that's supposed to be that woman getting beat up, and you just completely you brush past it. Yes. It's it Pitch. it's not like it's not a horribly like it's not a gross and weak thing, but it's noticeable. And like I said, I think 
he wants it to he wants it to be in his style rather than be good storytelling. Do you think that the comics improved if he doesn't? If he like the thing about T. H. Williams the Third is that you know that everyone talks about is his layouts, is the weird mm. panel structures, the weird mm. all the things you pointed out. I mean, his art away from like accepting those those facts is still good. Oh, yeah. and really beautiful. I would say it's better than good. I would say it's thoroughly excellent. Do you I think so? He you, is you think very that, very talented. Do you think the the that it works better if he adjust if he adopted more traditional panel layouts and stuff like that and just let his uh, ability in storytelling shine more than trying to stretch into like hey look this panel go this page is like split into thirds and then they're all in weird shapes you know it's a thing about um del mundo you know that Mm -hmm. i that i know people who criticize him for that too they're like i think it's beautiful but i can't i don't know what's happening yeah i think that there's there's truth to that i mean dave gibbons watchman the 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 always the example you don't even realize the structure's invisible this is it's it does look nice and ultimately it is a way to illustrate a comic book and it's fine but it's a little bit do you know the parable of the finger pointing at the moon no there's there's not really a whole lot other than what i just said it's something that buddha said but it was also in enter the dragon so bruce lee also said it what um the what? idea is you know when when buddha points at the moon don't get caught looking at the finger you know right you don't you want to make you want to make everything invisible so that the story shines yeah, through yeah exactly you want to see the content and not the finger and i don't have a tremendous problem with this you know it's four issues mm-hmm. four issues that tell a very simple story yeah, that was. Did we talk about uh, Justin Jordan talking about uh, television writing compared to comic book writing? No. He said that a trade is roughly the same information mm-hmm. as one episode of a television show, that, which I thought was fascinating. It seems right when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, and I never thought about it that way because you know you read like a trade and you get so much information if you do it right, but most comics. Uh, most 22 to 24 page comics, you're talking five scenes, he says, and five issues, you're talking 25 scenes. And that is about how many's in one half hour episode. Um, anyway, th- th- with that in mind, this is, this is that simple a story that it feels like about half of one monster in the week television episode, you know, as opposed to like, you know, one trade of four issues of Southern Bastards, you know? Right. Feels, th- that feels like four of these, you know? Um, I don't think I could read a lot of content by J.H. Williams. Is it, is it just the, the, the effort to, to glean what exactly is happening is just too high? I just think that it would get, maybe exhausting or you know it it's just it's pointing it's pointing at the finger too much too frustrating yeah Yeah. i mean how many ornamental borders do i need you know how many weird panels do i need 
how many references to Alphonse Mucha do I need? You know, I this it's a story that I think the question backups. Yeah. I mean, I, I like both of them for different reasons. I feel like in terms of pure storytelling, like the the the, the Williams stuff, it feels bigger. You know, it feels more important. I get a lot more story out of the question stuff. I'm more engaged. Um, it's I, just from that standpoint, I think it's a better comic, even though Williams' art is is I think better. Just from a pure technical illustration standpoint, it's richer and more interesting. But it's I feel like J.H. Williams is a surrealist painter or something that happens to like comics. You know, I think he would be more at home doing more book illustration or even doing fine art painting. Is there is there room? For and like that is is that obviously comic books are telling a story mm-hmm. like literally that is through the it's the, the 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 marriage of words and pictures yeah and we talk a, I think we talk a lot about how important storytelling is to with an artist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people don't talk about it enough honestly I think when people talk about how good art is. Or what a good artist, a comic book artist, explicitly yeah. is. They don't. I don't think a lot of people talk about how important storytelling is. Like, mm-hmm. you could have the best writer in the world, but if the art isn't communicating the action very well and piecing together scene to scene to scene, action to action to action, it doesn't matter. You could have Alan Moore write whatever comic you want, but if someone isn't telling the story well, the, the artist isn't telling the story well with their art, it does not matter. Um, I, I think on this book, I generally agree that you do see you to continue the metaphor. I do think you do see too much of the finger. Mm -hmm. I felt, I think I felt the other way in the Sandman book. Yeah. I, well, the, the Sandman, I kind of feel like Rucka wasn't writing necessarily to, uh, William's strengths. You know, he's like, here's this weird character with this aesthetic, and here's sexy women, and you can draw that, and here's all these things, and you know, you'll you'll do good at this. Where Gaiman is like, let's do this really soft, surreal world where you can be you, and it suits the world. Gaiman was smart about that. Gaiman probably sought out Williams and said, you could probably do these characters very well, and I want the shit that you're doing here. And it doesn't get in the way necessarily of the storytelling. They probably worked together on the layouts. There was probably some back and forth on like, yeah, here's how I want to do this illustration. Mm -hmm. Here's where I want to tell this part of the story. It's going to rotate around here. Um, It's hard for me to say if, if, you know, Gaiman wrote it that way, you know, a la Alan Moore describing a million things in a panel mm-hmm. as much as I, I don't know. To me, it seems like it would have to have been a back and forth process where this feels like here's a script. Here is a layout for a, here's a bunch of panels that need to be on a page and just have at it. Yeah, you do, break you, it up however in the hell you want. You, you do, do your weird thing. Yeah, it, it is. Like there's, a, it, it, I'm very torn on it because I think at the end of the day, st- storytelling is 
the a very vital is one of the most vital things. And I want like I don't think I was never really confused by what was happening in this. I do think that it doesn't necessarily always piece together page to page. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, you're right, it is only four issues. Like, you know, it's not it is a it is it is an episode of television. It mm-hmm. is so it's it never really bothered me, but and I, I like J.H. Williams art a lot. And I think the it is this is this is very striking. I think uh Dave Stewart's colors do uh a lot like help a lot with that. Uh, the reds of her hair, I think every time I doesn't they can do it a hundred times in a row. Like mm-hmm. they have some page where she's flying off of something and her hair is flowing out behind her and that that bold red with the mixture of her black costume and the like I every time it it is visually striking to me. Like I don't know. Maybe it's why I like Medusa as a character so much as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just like it's very striking uh visually. I do you think this is a better comic if it's just straight up like, you know, five panel pages, six panel page, four panel page, stuff like, you know, normal his his art but in a very in a typical comic book like the question backup. I think it tells a better story. I think the only thing that is interesting or memorable about this is his artwork. Do you know what I mean? I I think this is this is this is like Kingdom Come with a less ambitious story. It's a small story. It is a small story. You're one hundred percent correct. I I like the story. I guess I, mm-hmm. what it really wants me to do, what it makes me want to do is read all of like read way more Batwoman and get yeah. all this stuff information. Uh, like it, like I would like there. I know I kind of know about her weird like the like they talk about it in this book, the crime bible, and like the like it's a very strange kind of setup uh, for her character that. I'm, and I want to this like this little peek into that makes me want to go back and read all of that and kind of get get all of it all that information in. But on its own, it it is a like a solid detective story, a solid superhero story uh, that is memorable largely because of William's art. Mm. Um, I like it. I think it is. I think it's probably a good introduction to this bat to Batwoman. Simply because of that, like, it's easy to pick up and go, like, man, it's beautiful. Like, yeah, the story is – I feel like, you know, I, I I feel like Ruck is strength of the writer, at least the stuff I've read. You know, he's he's – I've only read stuff here and there. I've read some of his Punisher. I've read some of Lazarus. I've read this, you know, some of his Batwoman stuff. Um, I feel like his strength of the writer is always in character and not in plot. Mm. Um, like, I, I, I like this – I think sells short – the character of Batwoman mainly because it's so plot driven. It's so yeah. much like she ha- she's like it, it moves, it moves very fast and it's very readable in that way. But it also feels very much like I kind of just want more time of her being like her, like not being Batwoman, just her being Kate and just like, mm. ha- like, like getting more of the character and less of like, Oh, she now needs to go beat up this, you know, she's teaming up with these animal people to go jump out of an airplane. Like I, I save her dad. Like it, I understand that. I like, I liked, yeah, I like the scenes with her and her father. Yeah. Just complaining at each other. Yeah, exactly. I like, that is, I really enjoy those stuff. I, I enjoy, like, I wanted more of that. I wanted less of what's, you know, we have to go do some crazy superhero thing. I liked more of just 
kind of the quiet moments and or like character revealing stuff with her and her father or even like the weird crime like that the unraveling of the weird mystery they're going behind like i think that's interesting uh the, the events that are actually like the actual like she has to like the fighting and all like chasing down all that stuff is like i found it compelling mainly because william's art is really pretty and i and i i don't know that, that that's why i'm kind of torn about putting this as a normal like him doing just adapting normal layouts because that might steal too much of the interesting stuff away from it. Mm. I do kind of feel like it's, yeah, it's what it has going for it. It's not, yeah, it's not bad. It's just not, there's, it's not, it's not memorable. It's not special. No, I think it is. I, I'm, I'm curious if I like if we had more knowledge about all the other mythos, if that affects mm. anything. Like, I feel like the people who've recommended this are the people who have read all of Batwoman, all the Batwoman stuff, and all the Renee Montoya stuff, and all the Red Greg Rekka DC stuff. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is like it. Maybe it's integral in the greater storyline of all that stuff, and it has J.H. Williams on it. The issues after this, I have Jock as the artist. Mm. So there was a, I, I think that's interesting. You have these. Greg Greg has these, you know, kind of very highly regarded artists working. And Jock is also kind of that conceptual, like closer to the, you know, conceptual artist, like layer of things. You know, Jock does a lot of like poster design and stuff like that. And, you know, stuff that's not just comic books, you know, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think that, I think this is forgettable without J.H. Williams. I think it's just another superhero story. A good, a well, a well executed one. It's like it's competent. You know, it's not bad. There's nothing in this is bad. I would say, um, but it's not like the best superhero comic you've ever read or anything like that. Um, mm. I think it's a good introduction to Batwoman. Like if you've never read a comic from about Batwoman before, I think this is good for that. You know, and I, and I think it's an okay comic that has you know character you really, I really like in it. I think that's very accurate. I don't know. I think that's like I, I'm. It's four issues. You know, it's it's rather short, and it makes me honestly. I'm. I want to read more Batwoman now. Like it. it like mm. I'm like hmm, I'm peaked. And if it just, if it, it does that alone, I think that's good enough. Honestly, but that is. Uh, I do think that that is its job. Yeah. To make you want to read more comics. Read the read more comics. Mm mm mm. I, I was gonna. What was I gonna ask? Do you think any comics can, like any any comic art, is it how important is it for to for it to be invisible? I don't necessarily think it is because okay. you know, one thing is not another thing, right? You know, it's like, you know, if if comic books are cupcakes and then someone goes off and makes a, a brownies, a big plate of brownies. You know, one thing is not supposed to be another thing. That's a weird metaphor, but I think you understand what I'm getting at, right? Yeah, I get it. I think I'm kind of piggybacking off of some old dumb penny arcade strip. <laughs> like I can't, I can't even remember the punchline to. But the the idea is, you know, it doesn't do a great job of storytelling, but we do have to be careful not to criticize a small cake for not being a big cake when it's, you know, it's trying to be a cupcake, you know? Right. Um, ultimately he is what makes this very run of the mill story work. 
do I think it would be an easier to read comic book story with more straightforward art? Yes. Do I think that makes it objectively better? Probably not. You know, I, it is a thing that's interesting about him is that he is weird and does strange layouts and makes really nice looking art. Right. But yeah. I, I think that, I don't, it, it's a hard thing. I, I think that he generally does a decent job of making his weird art work as a story, in a, in a storytelling aspect, but it is not ideal. It feels mm. very much like it is trying to turn a toaster into a waffle iron. Yeah. And he's done, he is, his hammer has beaten that toaster into as close as it can be a waffle iron as possible while still being a toaster. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue the weird metaphors. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Uh, and you, I, like, part of me doesn't care because I do think it, there's like, conceptually they look very beautiful and his art is very good. And I, like, even comics I don't care about whatsoever, I could read them where drawn by J.H. Williams III and go, man, this is really beautiful. This is really interesting. Um, I don't, think he's necessarily a good fit for superhero comics unless they're very strange conceptually. Yeah. Uh, I, I think like that is a, a thing I think of when I read Mike Del Mundo comics who I really like Mike Del Mundo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that conceptually his art was working very well in that Avengers book because it is about time travel and weird loops and, you know, dimension hopping and weird stuff like that. But if that book shifted tone, I don't necessarily know if his, his methodology would work as well. And I think I was reading the sand, those Sandman books and I'm like, wow, this is weird. And this is really beautiful and strange. Like I remember that, that there's a, a panel from that Sandman pray overture overture is the name of that. Um, that weird, uh, <laughs> second Sandman book, uh, where you're looking out from the, the, the teeth eyes, like you see mm. you're inside the, the eye sockets, but their teeth and you know, you're looking out through them. And I thought that was really interesting and, and, you know, fun per, per perception change and stuff like that. Uh, this is more just like, Hey, this is a different way to show action. And I don't think it capped it. Like it, do, it doesn't utilize his style as much. It's just more like you're like, Hey, yeah, this is a different design. Here's, here's a, like, here's a third of the page that is empty black space that just has some red curvy style in it. There's no, you know, nothing specific about the character or it's not there's no information there it's simply like a empty space uh which feels pointless purposeless aside from like you know that page needed to have that and that leads me to believe the thing you said about like him but but rocket just going like yeah there needs to be four panels on this page and this is what it's communicating and you can do your thing it Mm -hmm. feels very much like well He's like, well, I have, I want to do this design and this will give me four or five panels, but the fifth panel can just be an empty thing with a little design in it or whatever. Or you put a bat symbol in there or something. <laughs> I don't know. It, I, you know, so I think superhero design, uh, superhero as a genre in general does benefit. Like, I think Greg Rucker writes generally good mystery and detective stories. Um, I don't know. I like this. Yeah. I like it. I think that is the word. Like, I, I don't love it. I don't. I don't think it, I think it's better than average. I think it's, I like it. You know, I'd, I'd recommend it to people because it's four issues and it's a good bite sized chunk that you can give, give you a good insight. Like here, here's like Batwoman 101. I think, you know, it's just that. 
it's nothing more than that though. I don't think it's like, I, 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 I makes me want to read a lot more Batwoman. So maybe I can get a definitive opinion on what is the best Batwoman, but that's where I'm at. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, anything else you want to add, Eric? Mm-mm. Okay. Next week we are, uh, well, next week the 12th issue of Wade Insomnia's Black Widow comes out. And so we will be reading one through 12 of Black Widow. We have, uh, I should say Somni and Wade's as a, I, you know, it feels like Somni is like the a maestro in this thing. Uh, I am looking forward uh, this, this, it is, it is when Somni as an artist clicked. Like I thought Daredevil was great. Uh, but I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't see this, the specialness of it until I'm reading this Black Widow and I go, wow, this is, mm. it's really, it's why I picked Somni as my, you know, artist, uh, of the year last year for our handies. I think it was actually start of this year when we, when you picked him. That's, I guess that's technically you correct. Artist of last year, uh, this year. That is true. We did that. Um, but yeah, we'll be, we'll be reading that and I'm really excited to talk about it and see. To, to, to see how it feels as a complete, cause as soon as I, we figured out we were going to do that, I've been putting off reading them so I could read all of them together. Uh, but that's next week. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Find everything there. Links to new episodes, downloadable and streaming. Links to our Facebook, facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour at Twitter at HBC Hour. And you can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. If you like the show, if you are a fan, please. Give us a five-star review on, on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. It helps us out a great deal. Tell your friends. Word of mouth, uh, you know, recommendations. Greatly appreciated. The the best way you can get new people to find new things, word of mouth. You can find me on Twitter at MixmasterShero. That's M-I-X-M-A-S-T-E-R-C-E-R-E-A-L. Eric, where can they find you with your things online? Super good question, buddy. You can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. And you can see most of the things I get up to by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Twitter and Instagram, where I'm known as Easy Goodnight. Badow. Badow, indeed. Badow, Thank indeed. you for that. You're welcome. Badow, badeed. Badow, badeed. With that, we can call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. Rock and roll.